Howdy. What's going on? Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. It is heard live every day, by the way, from noon until 3 on WBT Radio in Charlotte. And if you want exclusive content, invitations to events, the weekly live stream, my daily show prep with links, become a patron. Go to thepetecalendarshow.com. This podcast is also supported by North Carolina businesses, so please consider supporting them. Try not to skip through their short ad. Make sure you hit the subscribe button to get every episode for free right to your smartphone or tablet. And thanks so much for your support. Gaslighting is a form of psychological abuse, okay? So uh, this is one of the reasons why uh, people get angry and frustrated uh, when they get gaslit, like President Biden is doing, like the left and the media, but I repeat myself, they, get, they are doing this. They are gaslighting us. Um, for example, Joe Biden, in his address today, which, by the way, was like over an hour late, um, he said that the immigration system is broken. He said, and that the border isn't secure. Yet, for three years, Alejandro Mayorkas, the Homeland Security Secretary, has repeatedly said that the border is secure. In fact, let me play you a quick montage here. This is from the Heritage Foundation. Do you believe that right now there's a crisis at the border? I think that the the answer is no. The border is closed. The border is secure. Is the border more secure under your leadership than when you started? Congressman, the border is secure. We're executing our plan. And I've been very clear and unequivocal in that regard. Yet we have effectively managed an unprecedented number of non-citizens. The border is secure. The border, we are working to make the border more secure. Do you continue to maintain that the border is secure? Yes, and we are working day in and day out to enhance its security, Congressman. The Secure Fence Act of 2006 says what? That the Secretary of Homeland Security shall take all actions the Secretary determines necessary to achieve and maintain operational control over the entire international land and maritime borders. Will you testify under oath right now, do we have operational control, yes or no? Yes, we do. Chief Ortiz. This is the Border Patrol Union Chief. Does DHS have operational control of our entire border? No, sir. There you go. That's from the Heritage Foundation, right? So you got Mayorkas out there for three straight years saying that uh, the border is secure, the border is secure, the border is secure, and we're enhancing security, and it's going to get even more secure. It's like super uh, super secure right now, but it's going to be way more super secure, super duper, double secret super secure. Yeah. Also, uh, the Biden administration sued to stop enforcing current border laws. The Senate never invited the Speaker of the House, Mike Johnson, into the negotiations on this deal. And, as Brad Slager points out from RedState.com, the House Republicans passed a border bill of their own half a year ago. Democrats blocked it in the Senate. Right? Chuck Schumer blocked it. But nobody's talking about Democrats not trying to solve the problem. Funny that, isn't it? Isn't it interesting how the Democrats get to block border bills from the House, 
And they're never called obstructionists. They're never accused of uh, trying to uh, keep the border unsecured, of trying to use the uh, immigration issue for some ulterior motive, right? They never, they never face charges of the uh, of that sort. Jesse Kelly, talk show host. He says the security guard that we hired to protect our home has been letting people inside the home to loot our stuff. He just came to us and demanded a raise, and if we give him one, he promises to let fewer people in to loot our stuff. That's the border bill. Lauren, welcome to the program. Hello, Lauren. How are you? Hey, Pete. How are you doing? I'm all right. What's up? All right. People need to call Tillis and Bud's office. They are feeling the heat. I called Bud's office. His staff said he was going to vote against the bill. Right. And and against cloture. Okay. He called Tillis' office. Tillis' office says, oh, he, he says he's going to vote against the bill, even though he's been for the bill all along. But they won't say whether he'll vote for cloture or not. Which is the ending of debate. Absolutely. And Tillis does this all the time. He'll vote for cloture, and then he'll come back and say, oh, but I voted against the bill. They think we are stupid. Mm. Yeah, yeah, so it's a legislative uh, tactic, right, that they use um, so they can claim opposition or support for a bill, uh, but then the cloture will, will sort of short-circuit the uh, the vote process. Yeah, so it's... Uh, right. Yeah, so we'll we'll see. I mean, like I, I saw somebody sent me a message that they had called Tillis's office, and Tillis has uh, their office says that he's going to vote no on it. And uh, yeah, and so that's obviously in response to pressure that Republican lawmakers and leadership have been feeling. There's th- that's been widely reported. So I can't believe that uh, he isn't feeling any kind of similar pressure as well. But if, but if people don't hold his feet to the fire, he will vote for cloture. And then all it will take is 50 votes for this to pass. Yeah, I got you. Lauren, I appreciate the call. Thank you, sir. Hi, man. See you. Let's go over to Stan. Hello, Stan. Welcome to the show. How you doing, Pete? Hey, I'm good. What's up? I have have one I want to talk with you about, about what's going on in the state of Nevada today and and, and on the 8th, obviously. Um, Just so people understand what's happened here, in 2021, the... uh, Democratic governor out there just made a mandate that the state would no longer do anything other than primaries. And in essence, it was the state trying to control how the parties select who represents them in the general election. Well, but didn't the uh, d- didn't d- didn't Nevada have a whole bunch of problems with their caucus system? Right. Well, so here's what so here's what happened. So in reality, what the GOP said is the GOP filed a suit saying that the party had the right to decide how they had selected who represented them in the general election, and so the court ruled in their favor. So, but here, And here's the reason why. See, when the state controls it, here's, here's how the caucus voting is set up. It's same-day voting, paper ballots, and photo yeah. ID. Okay. Whereas in the primary, the state gets to control those rules. And so basically the caucus system prevents the statement that obviously anybody can cheat at any time mm-hmm. knowing the rules in advance. But if you're going to have same-day voting paper ballots and, and all those security procedures, it's a much more secure election, and you feel like that the way the people voted is actually what controlled the outcome of the election. <clears throat> yeah, I don't, I don't, Stan, I don't agree with that. 
I don't necessarily, okay, so I don't automatically what, what, necessarily what, what, agree with that, that it's automatically a better system. I don't, because it's, what, it, what, like what, you said. That's what, I, well, that's what I wanted to ask you, but the question is, so that, but then Nikki Haley opted for the primary, Donald Trump opted for the caucus, because the party came out and said that you couldn't participate in both. Mm-hmm. And so whoever wins the caucus on the 8th is who gets the delegates, mm-hmm. even though they're actually physically having a primary today where, Haley, where Nikki Haley is on the ballot. Right. So to your point that you, about not being a, a corrupted kind of uh, process, the fact that the party, the Nevada GOP, said we're still going to do a caucus and we're still going to do it, uh, we're still going to award our delegates based on the caucus winner, um, so this way Trump gets those delegates. Right. Right. And so I, so I, that right there, I mean, like, they're, so they're obviously influencing the outcome of that election, right? By right. choosing the mechanism that they're choosing and telling all of their party faithful to vote in the caucus, not the primary, they're they're affecting who wins and where the delegates well, go, right? Correctly. Well, it's, it's kind of the same thing as how, how they structured it, how they took Bernie Sanders out in the Democratic side. So here's my question. If we want to have safe and secure elections, how is is there a better way to do it than either one of those? Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, th- this is a okay. This is a really in depth conversation about a lot of different technical stuff. I've covered some of the stuff in the past with the electronic voting issue that's based off of like the lottery uh, ticket systems. Right. Uh, I've had uh-huh. those experts on the show, and we've talked about that. Uh, I've talked about election integrity measures and laws that you can do to strengthen that stuff. So, yeah, I mean, it's, there's. It's constant vigilance. It's constant. It's people. Um, it's people volunteering to help run elections, volunteering to be local observers. Yeah, there's it, there's there's a lot that goes into it. Yeah, it's a very expansive subject. It's not just a simple, you know, paper ballots or electronic voting, you know, or the whatever. It's like it it, it doesn't come down to just that. It can't come down to just caucus or primary, because either one of those systems can be corrupted. Either one. They're just different. You know. So, uh, anyway, Stan, I appreciate the call. I was getting a bunch of noise. I don't know what the, the beeping and the squelching and stuff was, but I appreciate the, uh, the call. Um, this is from Nan on Twitter, who says, uh, when Biden came into office, that first day he removed everything Trump did that was positive. He opened the border. First group that came over had on Biden T-shirts. We love Biden T-shirts. Remember those? Yeah. We know who's responsible. Barack is running the country. Um, well, this is Obama's third term. Um, I did see, where was it? Uh, I think it was like 94, 94 executive orders that Biden undid. And see, this is the problem when you have presidents that rule by executive order. And I've said this going back four administrations. This is not an attack on Donald Trump. He did it and everybody before him has done it. And you use these executive orders and your base is like, yay, this is awesome. And then the next guy comes in and he just throws them out. Unless, of course, you're Donald Trump and you're trying to throw out like Obama's executive orders. And then that's illegal, I've been told. So, Bill, because it's different when Democrats do it. That's the legal standard. David Harsani from The Federalist just tweeted out seven minutes ago. The whole point of this exercise is to try to flip the script on the border before the election in November. And that's going to be a very heavy lift. How many voters really believe that Democrats want tighter border security, right? This is the problem that the Democrats have. 
they all know they don't want tighter control. They all know that. Democrats know this. They believe it, right? <laughs> like You're not fooling any of them. So what's the play? The play is to try to convince the people in the middle, the mushy middle, right? To try to convince them that Democrats are for tighter border control. Why? Because those people in the mushy middle are persuadable. They can be persuaded based on really stupid arguments, too. Yeah, they can be persuaded by a media coverage, and all they see are headlines as they walk past the newspaper stand. Okay, I don't even know, do those even exist anymore? But you're walking past the TV in the, um, in the airport. And, of course, it's always on CNN, which is why their ratings are what they are. Because if you took them out of the airports, they probably wouldn't have any ratings. But anyway, then you walk past the CNN uh, TV monitors and you see the headline and the crawl and you see the people railing against the Republicans and they're the reason. You're like, oh, okay, well, I guess the Republicans killed it. So I guess it's all Donald Trump's fault. The problem is Trump made the immigration thing and the, and the border wall. Like, that was what he was all about. You could say whatever you want about Donald Trump, but there is no doubt about his view on immigration illegal immigration specifically, and building a border wall. Everybody understood that. So any kind of coverage of any kind of problem on the border is obviously going to redound to his benefit. And so now they're going to try to flip the script, as Harsani says, they're going to try to flip this script and make it his Achilles heel. Like make this some sort of a a liability for Trump, which is just... It's absurd. But what it speaks to is the arrogance and the knowledge that this plan can only work if media complies. Right? If their allies in the media go along with it, it has a better chance of success. That is the only way that this works. And the only way you would even try to run this kind of BS is if you knew that. You knew that you could say this stuff and it'll just be picked up and regurgitated. Message here from Russ. He says, I get so sick of this rhetoric about the world is watching. What will other countries think of us? You know, in addition to no geography, no metric system, part of my American birthright is who cares what the rest of the world thinks? When they accomplish as much, save as many countries bacon, and fund as much of the world's security, they can begin commenting. Until then, we need to do whatever is in the best interest of our citizens, and the rest of the world needs to shut up and sit down. Um, blockchain voting. Yeah, that's... But I don't understand blockchain. I've tried. I have tried. I, I just do not... I just don't understand it very well. Yesterday I mentioned Noah Rothman. He had a piece at National Review. A hawkish bill meets a dovish GOP talking about this issue. And I like Noah. Um, I, I, he's a fantastic writer. He's a really smart guy. But um, he, is, he is of a mind, I think, that the GOP is still what it was 20 years ago. And it's not. And so he writes from this perspective, and also at National Review, which is why I love National Review so much, is that you've got Andrew McCarthy. 
Andrew McCarthy takes up a rebuttal. And so um, Rothman seemed more in line with, hey, this bill has a lot of stuff in it that we should agree to. And McCarthy is like, burn it all to the ground. All right, so I've got uh, a piece here from Noah Rothman. He says, if you could speak to any sentient political observer from 10 years ago, when the Gang of Eight immigration reform bill failed, and you tell them that Congress had since abandoned amnesty entirely, your interlocutor would probably conclude that the GOP had won the great immigration debate. Right? If you were to say, look, hey, ten, you go back 10 years, and at that time you say, hey, look, in 10 years from now, Congress will have abandoned this amnesty idea. And if you went on to inform this time traveler that not only had congressional negotiators produced an enforcement-only immigration bill, but they'd also baked into it provisions designed to contain Russian, Chinese, and Iranian aggression, he would probably conclude that the Republican Party was the dominant force in American politics. See, Rothman is anti-Trump. Rothman does not like Donald Trump. And so what he is what he is arguing here is the uh, against trumpism as the destroyer of the gop for over a decade republican immigration hawks have argued against grand bargains with the party disinclined to enforce immigration law on the grounds that no bargains were necessary there should be no amnesty or pathway to citizenship until the government got serious about enforcement and so here's the problem that I think Noah Rothman makes in this piece is that this isn't it. This isn't getting serious about enforcement. It's And as Andy McCarthy will explain here in a minute. Rothman goes on to say, uh, perhaps most consequentially, the bill compels the Department of Homeland Security to turn away all border crossers at any point of entry legal or otherwise, once officials encounter either a seven-day rolling average of 5,000 border crossers per day or 8,500 migrants on a single day. The provision ensures that Joe Biden would be legally compelled to take the migrant crisis over which he has presided, one of that featured 300,000 encounters along the border just last month. It would force him to take it seriously. See, And so here is the... Here is the Republican thinking of a decade ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago. That you're, you're dealing with somebody who's operating in good faith. And, and Democrats are not. Not on this issue. They are not operating in good faith. They have told us for three years the border is secure. And now they're telling us it's a crisis. Overnight. Overnight. They are gaslighting us. The 5,000 border encounters, these encounters, because you can't call them arrests, detentions, they're encounters. 5,000 would trigger the emergency authorization, but Joe Biden could have, he could scrap that. He's not forced to. See, the Homeland Security Secretary, he would have to create the emergency authority. He would have to announce it when this gets triggered at 5,000 a day for seven straight days. But the president could then say, no, it's not a crisis, and undo it. That's in the bill. See, this isn't enforcement. Also, 5,000 crossings a day. Let's say it stays at 4,000, because as soon as you set a limit at 5,000, the cartels and the human trafficking networks 
they're going to make sure that the counts stay under 5,000, right? So let's say they keep it at 4,000 just to be safe. That's still one and a half million people. This is what supposedly is border enforcement. He says the compromise deal favors uh, Republican preferences on enforcement. It is still a compromise crafted with negotiators from a party that is dependent upon constituencies for whom enforcing immigration law is anathema. And I get this. You're, you, are, you are negotiating with Democrats who do not want any of this stuff. The GOP's immigration maximalists might be surprised to learn that Democrat-leaning constituents are just as enraged by this bill as they are. That's the nature of compromise legislation. See, here's the thing. So, Yes, Democrat base voters are, but there are a lot of people in the Democrat Party that want the border secure, too. This is a two-to-one issue in favor for Republicans. Let me... Um, yeah, he says if the GOP... If the GOP opposition is really about Ukraine funding, um, as the party's most vocal members routinely suggest, it gives Democrats the opportunity to claim that theirs is the party of enforcement at home and strength abroad. The GOP of 10 years ago would never have dreamed of handing Democrats such a lifeline, but that was a different Republican party. See, here's the thing. Noah's arguing from a position knowing what what the media does for Democrats like and and us being beholden to the way the democrats craft the national narrative i don't think that that has the kind of uh effect that it used to and that's why we have this you know polarization that everybody is lamenting it's because yes people get access to the other side of the story rush always used to say what i am equal time so now andy mccarthy He said that the good in the bipartisan bill, and there is some good in there. I said that yesterday. There are some measures that are are decent. The problem is they can already be accomplished under current law. And, number two, it would require faith that the Biden administration will, for some reason, enforce these provisions, even though it has systematically refused to enforce existing border security provisions. More importantly, Congress would have to enact provisions in the deal that would both undermine existing statutory restrictions and it would carve into law magnets for illegal immigration. It will make it worse. Both legally and practically speaking, the border can be shut down. And it can be shut down right now. There is no legal requirement that anybody... Anybody who sets foot on American soil be permitted to apply for asylum. That is a discretionary act of national clemency. That is not a right of an illegal alien or a legal alien, any alien. That is not that is not a right. There is similarly no mandate that aliens be routed into a process that enables them to remain even though their first contact with our nation is to flout our laws. And even though empowering illegal aliens this way is patently harmful to aliens who are trying to do it the right way. They're, but they're trying to comply with our laws. It is not true. Simply put, not true under existing federal law that an illegal alien who makes it onto U.S. soil has a right to be processed or seek asylum. It's just not true. As things stand... 
That is a wayward proposition, and there is no need for a new law to reform it to the extent that the senators claim otherwise. They are either misinformed or they are misleading you. All right, do the current world events have you wondering whether we are teetering on the edge of catastrophe? Are you concerned it's going to reach our shores? Okay, so what are you doing about your concerns? Let me help. Carolina Readiness Supply at carolinareadiness.com. Whether you're looking to expand your emergency preparedness supplies or you have no idea where to even begin, Carolina Readiness Supply can help you. Food, water purifiers, tools, first aid kits, instructional materials, camping and hiking supplies even. Because being prepared is just smart. Carolina Readiness Supply has 2,000 square feet of supplies and educational materials that you'll need for any kind of emergency. In Waynesville and always at carolinareadiness.com veteran-owned Carolina a readiness supply. Will you be ready when the lights go out? Reading from this uh, Andy McCarthy piece at National Review. If the if the formula laid out in the uh, the bad bipartisan border bill uh, or the 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 B to the fourth power is there is it, no no squared is two cubed is three what's four is there a fourth fourth t- Maybe I'll just call it B-cubed. The bad border bill. B-cubed. Anyway, the uh, the formula, 5,000 a day for seven straight days, right? Then, oh, we got to initiate the emergency authority for the uh, DHS secretary. That would have already been triggered. So the very parameter that... Uh, Biden says would trigger this emergency authorization has already been achieved. Over the last month, there's been double that. There's been 10,000 a day coming across the border. But they didn't shut it down. They didn't consider it a crisis. They don't consider it a crisis. And it would have to be closed. Oh, and by the way, that's the bait. McCarthy says, just enact this proposal and the problem is solved instantly. Right? That's the bait. Put aside for a moment the fact, and it is a fact, that Biden could lawfully close the border right now without any such formula. He could do it. The senators propose that the border could be closed at the discretion of the administration. If, it, if the encounters are 4,000 a day. So not five, but 4,000. They say the, that the president, the administration, could close the border at its own discretion, which is to say, if illegal entries are merely happening at a rate of close to one and a half million, the secretary does not need to take any action. Right now, Biden has the authority to close the border. If the Senate proposal gets signed into law, it could be argued, and progressive judges appointed by Biden would surely agree with these arguments that the new law supersedes the old law, and now the president lacks authority to shut the border unless illegal entries are averaging 5,000 a day. See, he could shut it down right now. But if you put into place a law that says at 5,000, now you can shut it down, the left-wing lawyers are going to go and are going to argue, well, he can't shut it down if it's less than 5,000 because the law they just passed says 5,000. That's what you need in order to shut it down. And by the way, you don't actually shut it down for the whole year. You know that, right? That was also in the bill. Yeah, even if you hit that magic number of 5,000 a day for seven straight days, in the first year of the proposal, 
The shutdown authority would only be available for nine months out of the year. You can only do it for 270 days. That's it. Nine months. So it doesn't matter if the numbers keep coming. Like you, if the first nine months out of the year, you're averaging 5,000 a day. And then you get to the end of the nine months, and now you're averaging 20000 a day because everybody who couldn't get in before, now they're all coming in. Well, it doesn't matter. You can't do anymore. You've already, you've already closed it down for the nine months. Oh, and then in the second year, it drops. It goes down to seven months. Oh, and then in the third year, it goes to six months. And then it expires. So the next president can't get the same, can't have the same authority. And what does that tell you? They don't trust a Republican to use this authority. They don't want a Republican president to be able to shut down the border. So they're making sure it sunsets after three years. The senators propose funding 16,000 additional detention spaces, which raises the total to 50,000. But as the senators should know, Biden is not even using the 34,000 detention spaces that Congress currently funds. No, in the Biden era, raising the number of spaces would just mean funding more unused detention resources. And that brings us to the core point, he says. Existing law mandates that illegal aliens entering the United States be detained. Rationally, this makes sense. Since entry is illegal, the aliens have no right to be at liberty... Yet the senator's proposal would undermine that existing law by codifying the release of vast categories of illegal aliens, family units, and unaccompanied minors. The current government practice of releasing these aliens in violation of law is exactly what is driving the border crisis to begin with. I'll see you tomorrow. Don't break anything while I'm gone. Looking at you, Joe.